You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. We are on a journey to find the information that's going to help you play the best golf of your life. Join us now as we dive in. Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. I'm here with a very special guest, Nathan Jackson. All right, He's a former university basketball player. He's a physique competitor and a fitness model on the past. Now he uses all of his his knowledge and expertise that he's been gaining over the years for decades, helping people to, to play better golf, right? Be stronger, faster, more mobile. Okay. So you can find a lot of his information on a lot of the, you know, mainstream uh, publications and radio shows and even some television shows and stuff like that. So we've got an excellent opportunity here to uh, get an expert on here and talk some, what you can do in the winter time with the cold months Him being from Canada, he knows a little something about uh, being stuck indoors. And so welcome Nathan. And thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. All right. I always ask everybody, how did you get into golf? Um, kind of a weird story in a way. It's just basically I was on the elementary golf school team, but that doesn't uh, mean anything because <laughs> I don't think there was any cuts. Um, and I've never think- heard of an elementary golf school team. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It was it was interesting, but I think basically the the high, it was a history teacher went around all the um, the athletes he knew who played different sports and just said, "Hey, I'm putting together a golf team. Do you want to come out?" And so my uncle played golf. He was kind of the golfer in the family, and I was like, "All right, sure, he can help me out." So anyway, I made the team, but again, I don't think there was any cuts. Um, and I just had the most horrible experience of my life, and I didn't pick up a club again for another thirty two or thirty four years after that. Uh, I missed my, like my first swing. I missed the ball. Um, I had hand-me-down clubs, hand-me-down um, uh, bag. I had one zipper, one pocket in it. So I had all my lunch, my teas, my balls, everything. And by like the third hole, my zipper broke and like everything, I had to carry everything. It was just a horrible, horrible experience. Um, and then uh, kind of fast forward, like I said, 30 something years, I was um, kind of at the point, about 15 years in, kind of at the point where I was just getting burnt out from training and nutrition and things like that. And I was kind of like on the rocks of, of where to go next. So I called my dad up and was like, Hey, you know, I need to chat with you for a little bit. And he said, well, why don't you come down and we'll play golf? And I was like, golf. Like, I know you're not any good. <laughs> I'm not any good. Why are we doing that for? He said, Oh, don't worry about it. It's like a small little nine hole course. You know, nobody's going to kick us off. Like, all right, cool. And you know, we all hit that like one shot. Right. And I can't remember what hole it was, but I hit one shot. It was somewhat straight. I thought it went far at the time. Knowing what I know now, no, it didn't, but at least it was, you know, straight. It wasn't in the trees. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head and it was just like, okay, I know the body. I just need to marry my language to the golfer. And I know TPI existed at the time. So that was cool. Uh, so I knew I had some continued education to take care of, but by the time that round ended, I, I was pretty much like, I was sick with Toronto at the time. I was moving, right? So I was moving, I was changing my kind of niche a little bit and I had all these things kind of planned out. And within a year, I was pretty much uh, in Niagara, you know, deep into the golf industry. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it started. <laughs> wow. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So with your long history of, of training, you know, different styles of training and, and whatnot, what's kind of been your biggest impact on, on how you, your training philosophy? That's a, a great question because I've kind of just gone through a little bit of a shift in the last, I want to say like six months. And if you were to ask me this question last year, um, at this time, I would have said like, obviously nutrition, that's from a business standpoint that allows me to kind of tap into a different market. And then obviously nutrition with athletes, you know, athletes and golfers and whatnot. Great. That's a, uh, that's a great asset to have, but I would have said like the FRC, uh, functional range conditioning kind of protocol, whether it's the FRC or the kin stretch, things like that. Yeah. Um, I've used it on myself and had great results. I've used it on clients for about six, seven years now, great results. But um, I was challenged this path well, when the pandemic hit. I basically uh, jumped into a bunch of continued education stuff and think some things I didn't really know much about and kind of went down um, the PRI route a little bit, not directly with PRI, which is the Postural um, Restitution yeah, Institute. Um, and I was basically working with somebody who has gone down and in deep into like that and DNS and a bunch of other things. And so I was kind of getting his model. So it wasn't like directly PRI stuff, but it was influenced. Right. And that has really kind of made me look at the body in a different way than what I had been looking at. And I think it's a great place to start even before kind of the FRC and whatnot. Um, the assessments a little bit different, but more or less I've been assessing for almost 20 years. So that's not uh, too different, but just looking at things a little bit differently. And I think that's kind of helped in really setting the structure of somebody's, uh, you know, like stacking the thorax on top of the pelvis. And I always did that, but just looking at it and really emphasizing it now and, and realizing yeah. the why behind I was doing that all, all these years. And that's why I like the FRC stuff did work for me uh, because I always made sure people were in a, a good position Um but now it's like, now knowing what I know, it's not the starting position. I still love FRC and I still use it a lot. It's just that now I'm really work, you know, working on some, maybe some low and like low key breathing drills, which, you know, they kind of get a bad rap, but at the same time, if I have somebody like, come on, my golfers are seniors, so they don't move very well at all. So putting them on their side or on their back and getting some breathing drills, maybe some rotation and then, you know, manipulating the, the pressures inside the body through breathing, I think that's a great way to start or a great place to start. And they get, you know, as a client, you kind of see some really quick um, improvements in range of motion and mobility, which that's a huge buy-in. Now I can start yeah. layering in different things, whether that is our FRC or some, um, let's say like a split squat with a rotation and then adding some breathing, like some higher end breathing drills. I can still load it and whatnot. So, I mean, that really opened my eyes to an area that I, you know, wasn't really privy to up until six months ago. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Absolutely. Yep. Just shows you were always constantly learning. I'd love to yeah. ask you real fast, you know, uh, about breathing. Cause I will use breathing decent amount in my uh, physical therapy uh, where somebody comes in and, you know, just excessive amount of pain and um, tension, muscle tension and whatnot. And we just, okay, we're just going to lay down, breathe, maybe even get some heat on them. Uh, maybe electrical stimulation, depending on, you know, what, what the circumstances is and what, what it calls for. But uh, what's, what's your kind of your favorite starting position to kind of calm down the nervous system, calm down maybe some of the muscles there? Because that's, I assume that's where you're seeing a lot of the changes in the range of motion and mobility just from doing absolutely. that breathing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, kind of through an assessment, you kind of figure out if somebody's more of a wide ISA or a, a narrow type thing. So if you're a narrow 
I kind of prefer more of the, the quadruped position, um, maybe feet on the wall, kind of dragging your feet up the wall so you kind of activate your hamstrings a little bit, get a little bit of a rounding of the lower back. And then when you breathe, you're trying to get that air into like the lower back and then like above the shoulder blade area. Um, that for me, like I'm a narrow, that, I love that. <laughs> um, you know, it's a low end breathing drill. I still use it. It's my first thing I go to probably you know, in the morning when I wake up, which used to be a uh, cars. If you're familiar with the FRC thing, that was a bunch of joint mobility. Still love that. But I do this first. And then it kind of, you know, I can sometimes I feel like popping and things going on. I hope that's a good thing. But, um, you know, if somebody's got more of a wide, I'll put them on their back or on their side just to kind of, you know, manage that, that airflow a little bit better. Uh, I really like what's a, a sideline uh, hip adductor pullback. For me, I love that because my left hip has a, uh, a lateral orientation. And so for me, getting some of that like space back in the pelvis on my left side really helps going to get into my backswing better. Um, I also have kind of an issue with my downswing. So it really helps my hips kind of create a little bit of extra space in there, if you will. And then I can start layering in all the things I normally do to kind of increase range of motion there. But uh, it starts with those kind of low end breathing drills. Yeah. So what I always tell people with uh, with the popping and whatnot, it just means you're moving. That's what the yeah, research absolutely. shows. So, <laughs> so I mean, that means, you know, just simply being in that position and, and breathing, it means you're getting some joints to move there. And so, yeah, it's probably probably something that's pretty good for you, if, especially early morning. You know, if you do that in the yeah. evening, it might have a different different effect. But, but yeah. So are you a lefty? I am. Okay. A lefty golfer. I'm a righty everything else, but lefty golfer. All right. All right. You said, you said the left hip going to your backswing. And I was like, wait a second, that's different, that's <laughs> different than me. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> awesome. So no curious, you know, talking winter time here, you know, a lot of the United States and in Canada's got a decent amount of snow right now and uh, dealing with that, not getting outside. What should their primary focus be during these winter months? Uh, basically depends, you know, I know that's not the, the best answer, but, you know, it always kind of based on the assessment of what uh, the person in front of you needs, right? So, you know, I have kind of two versions or two types of clients. I have those who are with me, kind of like you said, here in the winter months, they have four or five, maybe six months off uh, of golf season. Whereas, you know, my other clients kind of down south, they may have a month, maybe not off. Yeah. And so it's a little bit different. Um, if we're going after the people that do have actual off season, uh, again, based on what they need, but, you know, generally I like to actually kind of split things up a little bit more than I think some coaches do where, you know, from like November 1st, which is kind of our off season start date to the holiday, all just attack mobility and muscle endurance and things like that. If somebody moves quite well, we'll add in some strength. Absolutely. But my focus, my emphasis is on trying to, you know, improve um, the way a person moves and get some muscle endurance and build a better foundation, especially if you've been, you know, spending six months accumulating all that volume on one side of your body, something's bound to be a little bit off. Um, and then, you know, from like the, the new year to March is kind of a strength phase. I'll try and get some bilateral phase or a bilateral phase in there, a unilateral phase. And then we'll move into more of like um, uh, strength and power, which I love. It's kind of where we're at right now. Um, or just starting at least. And that's kind of more of the contrast training. I really love that a lot. Um, I know there's some good science and there's maybe not the best or long-term science, but uh, it seems to work. I like the way it kind of meshes the strength with the power movements. And then we'll go into more power and speed and then kind of really work on speed and mobility or uh, speed again before the season hits. And then really just trying to maintain that throughout. Right. Right. So that's, you know, I feel like that's pretty similar to kind of my philosophy there on like from a therapy standpoint too, because, you know, I usually get somebody in and, and 
you know, say that for ease, we'll talk about the neck. You know, they, they have neck pain. Well, if they can't have a hard time rotating and whatnot, okay, the first thing I can do is, you know, we improve the, the ability to move that neck and we start seeing that, that pain decrease. And then, okay, from there, let's start building the structures around it to stabilize that a little bit better so that we don't just end up back in the same thing. You know, if I get your neck moving, that's great. But if, if you can just, if you move well, it, but you can't control it, you're going to end up back in the exact same spot that you were beforehand. Because Absolutely. I always say, you know, the natural response of, the, of, of a muscle is if it can't control something, it's going to sh- try to tighten up or shorten up, create some tension in order to better control it. It wants to decrease the amount of movement. So it's got more control, right? So we got to get that strength phase. And then, you know, if, if we're specifically talking golfers, then yeah, I think transitioning to power and speed is, 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 you know, the right next step. So for the, you know, the guys I have down South, I'll kind of just do a mix match of that based on what they need. So if somebody, if somebody's older, they need a lot more mobility, we'll just hammer that until they got it. <laughs> and I'll yeah. try to add some strength and some power in there, depending on what their, uh, their abilities are. Uh, I got a couple guys now that are kind of, um, they're basically, they're strong. They, they move quite well. Those guys I can kind of do anything with, right? I, they can, yeah. they can do a lot of contrast training for a lot longer than say my guys here in the, in the North. But, um, but yeah, it's going to basically depend on the person and the assessment and, you know, what kind of package that person is bringing to, to me. Yeah. And so let's, let's break a little bit of that down. Um, you mentioned, so mobility, we'll, we'll kind of hold that off on the side for now. We might get into it depending on, on time, but I'd like to talk a little bit about the strength phase. You mentioned doing some unilateral and bilateral phases there. So I'd be curious as to uh, preferences on, on those for maybe, maybe the older population or, uh, and we'll just go from that, start with that. Sure. I mean, I'm probably more of, cause I got into training, like I said, 20 years ago and more of the bodybuilding side of things. And I'm sure a lot of us have the same story, but um, so I, you know, I probably do a little bit more bilateral training than most of my, my golf fitness colleagues, but I try to get people unilateral as, as soon as I can. Uh, oh, I shouldn't say that at a time, <laughs> but I want to make sure I want to get people strong because a lot of people, they, you know, especially in the golf fitness and the myths and things like that, you know, people are scared to lift heavier weights and whatnot. So I'm trying to get them comfortable now with the pandemic and you know, my business being completely online, it's sometimes bilateral, especially for the older population, it's just easier to teach. And then, you know, once I feel they have a good handle of a hinge, okay, now we can start playing with different versions of that, um, you know, unilateral or, you know, split stance, things like that. And same with squats and whatnot. But, um, but you know, once like I'll do a, a strength phase, which is like a four week phase, I'll probably do a second one. And then that third phase is kind of a strength and power, depending on the person, they may do more bilateral stuff. Or if they're okay, I'll start throwing in that unilateral. It's still like two months before the season hits. So we have plenty of time to work that unilateral stuff to really kind of you know, transition into the, you know, standing on two feet and shifting weight on the one side and balance and things like that. So for me, I just, um, I, I love, or I should say that I love bilateral work, but I also love unilateral, but I'm probably one of those guys who probably stick a little bit longer to the bilateral. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of the, the, I guess we'll say not necessarily the opposite because I, there is an importance to, to the bilateral, but I almost, almost go towards that unilateral because. And I totally get it. My standpoint is, okay, I'm wanting to see you maybe asymmetries, I guess, more so on that. And that's what I see myself whenever I do it. Like, uh, and I find it, it's so much easier for me to do my training anywhere and everywhere. Right. Or as you're saying, you know, bilateral, it's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I need a squat rack. I need, you know, a lot of weight and, and whatnot. So whereas at home, it's like, okay, I got a 45 pound kettlebell. 
Um, and that's, that's going to be pretty good for, for most of my single leg activities or, or whatever and stuff like that. So, and you know, it's with the pandemic and, you know, everybody kind of losing access to their gyms. Those are the types of things that I've, I'm starting to learn like, okay, yeah, maybe three months of, or two months of a bilateral phase, not going to be the best for, for right. the majority of people out there. Now, a lot of my senior golfers, if they do have a 45 pound kettlebell, that's going to be enough for their goblet squats. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with what you said. Um, I probably would still ideally in an ideal world, try to get at least four to eight weeks of bilateral if the people had gym and then go from there. But I, I like what you're saying, because I, I can definitely see how that would be beneficial, especially with limited equipment. So, right, yeah. right, right. I know. Um, so cool. And then let's go into, uh, the power you mentioned, you mentioned some of the contrast work. So let's break that down just a little bit for those that don't maybe aren't familiar with what contrast work is. Uh, PAP. So that's the, uh, you know, post-activation potentiation and basically, you know, just to dumb it down, it's like doing, um, uh, strength exercise of let's say a movement say a squat and then following that up with a power exercise of the same kind of movement so let's say a vertical jump onto a box or you know whatever again the assessment will dictate what we can do but um or a deadlift and a broad jump or a bench press and a plyo push-up or a med ball chest pass something like that yeah. and basically it's just um i like because it basically it kind of excites the muscles from the strength side of things and then you kind of flip it over right away into the more of a speed and power type thing and i like that as a transition kind of period um and for myself it just makes me feel a bit more athletic even though as much as i just said i like bilateral movements it gets a little bit more athletic now yeah. which i do like as well yeah yeah i mean i think one of the biggest things with most of the older populations that i've, I've worked with particularly with golfers is you know as kids we did you know recess and and played baseball or whatever and that causes us to sprint and to jump and and all these things and then as we get older it's like oh i play golf and i sit at a, at a desk or or whatever you know i sit in meetings all day and it's like okay we went from being super mobile and active and and athletic and then now we don't do a whole lot of athleticism stuff and i think that's a lot of the detriments that we see in, in our populations um absolutely yeah there's just not there's we don't have the athletes at, at, like we used to be uh, even though and that's I like to bring a little bit more of the athletic style into training, even if it is a bilateral phase, I do still like to do a lot of jumps and things like that. But um, yeah, and I, I just love that phase. I just love the feeling of it. Yeah. Me, I'm getting older, so I'm not putting a ton of weight on my body anymore. And so that, that eight rep kind of range is good. It's, it's heavy enough, but not like I'm not doing one RMs or three RMs. Um, and then adding a little bit of plyometric stuff. I know as we get older, we're going to lose a little bit of strength. We're going to lose our power. So it's just kind of trying to maintain that. And even though I was a basketball player, I'll be honest, I can't jump. So <laughs> if anything I can maintain and keep or even gain, that'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So why don't we talk a little bit about a good chunk of the people we have on listen to the podcast are in this, uh, we'll say 35 to up to 60 year old range. And so they're kind of getting that, like you said, that a little bit older and a you know, little less athletic or uh, whatnot. So what are some, you know, basic maybe power moves or, or plyometric stuff that they can do that might be, uh, easier on the joints we'll say in, in quotation marks there absolutely so i mean i like to do a lot of like a decel phase so like i said i kind of you know i'm not doing a strict strength phase where we're just you know lifting 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 i like to kind of throw in some more mobility days i also like to throw some power days in so what we're doing those bilateral stuff i always like to do the decel phase so basically we're you know maybe doing like a depth uh squat um or a drop squat sorry uh and just kind of drop down to a squat and you got to kind of like stick the landing type thing We'll yeah. do that, you know, bilateral, unilateral, um, med ball, toss, but you just don't toss. You kind of like have to try to stop on the dime and, and try to get that, 
that braking system going. Um, so we'll do that initially. And then that, those are usually low key. And then we'll kind of move into more med ball stuff, maybe some low level plyometrics, um, like fast band work. I really like that a lot. I don't do a lot of fast dumbbell or kettlebell stuff only because I find like, especially for myself, sometimes I lock out my elbow and I have a kind of a wonky right elbow. And if I move fast with a dumbbell or kettlebell, it kind of gets into that position I, I just don't like. And so for me, a band will kind of slow it down because obviously it's getting more tension as I go away from my body. So that kind of puts me in a safer position. So I just kind of take that, what I've learned from my own personal training yeah. and given that to my older clientele because I know they, they're not moving as fast as me at the same time and they don't know how to stop as well as I do. So if, I don't want to get them into a position that they buckle their elbow or their knee or something like that. So, but yeah, med ball work is going on. absolutely. But uh, yeah, med ball work. Um, that's probably my go-to for the older population if they have it. Um, and then if they have bands, that's kind of my, my second. All right. So we'll move on uh, to the speed section. It's a huge topic obviously right now. So what, what did, what do amateur, what do amateurs need to focus on uh, for speed work? Again, it's like, it depends, right? I mean, yep. who's coming in front of me. If somebody who needs a lot of mobility, like a senior uh, or a senior guy who's you know, playing a, the senior tour type thing, we're going to work on that. But let's say, let's say everybody's you know, moving well and, and whatnot. You really need some strength. And that's kind of one of, I always have this yearly post that I throw up and I'm probably never going to get, sponsored by super speed but like i'll th- i'll throw it out there and like you know it's it's not for everybody straight out of the box and yes. it's like a kettlebell it's like vibram five fingers it's like crossfit like all these different things are modalities they're tools and i think we get we fall in love with these things too quickly whether it's a golf pro just giving it randomly to their clients or you know somebody sees uh film you know, throw up a post and they see his super speed sticks into this thing. And he said over, you know, he has a quote where it's like overnight, I gained whatever, 12 miles per hour. I was like, well, no, you didn't. <laughs> right. That took a while to kind of gain that 12 miles per hour. But, uh, but people will read that. And of course they go by it. And I, I love super speed when it's right. And yes. um, when it's not, it can be very dangerous. And, you know, unfortunately, the company's probably not going to tell you that they're going to tell you just warm up and you'll be fine. Well, no, you can warm up all you want. If you don't have, you know, shoulder external rotation or, you know, you don't have good hip movements, your low back's going to be cranked. You're going to crank on your low back. And next thing you know, you know, because you're swinging hard or at least you should be, um, you know, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. So a lot of the amateurs who kind of come through my door, who are strong, that's great. We can, we can now add some power and some speed. If somebody comes into my door, especially like junior golfers who already have high club head speed, but are very weak, that's kind of a red flag for me in that, you know, it's only be a matter of time. Yes, right now they're not in any pain and we can't really, I mean, I don't want to say we can predict pain, especially me. You could probably do it better than I can, but you know, it's, it's a red flag because if they don't have a braking system, it's only a matter of time, especially all these kids who are just, you know, playing, 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 playing and practicing and not spending enough time in the gym to get stronger. Uh, it's, you know, it's tough. Like a lot of my juniors spend like 24, 30 hours a week on their golf game. And it's like, well, if you took three of those hours to fitness, you're not going to be any worse of a golfer, you know, losing three hours of practice. Chances are your practice isn't really focused anyway. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the two groups. And of course, somebody comes in who's weak and not very powerful. That's easy. We just start with the basic and build them up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. You know, along with the juniors, that is kind of a recipe for, for present disaster and i usually 
tell people think of it as like having a Ferrari engine with Prius brakes. Yeah. Right. You so then you go, the Prius brakes aren't meant to stop a Ferrari going a hundred and whatever mile per hour. Right. And so that's what you, that's what you're looking at with, with that high speed, but low strength. And so that's definitely, I always, always give that kind of express uh, the concern when, when people are, are talking speed and it's always, Oh yeah, get, get you some sticks and do that. It's like, you know, you already do a thousand swings and most of us probably don't swing as well. You know, it's a third of golfers have pain after golfing, uh, after a round of golf. So it's, you said there you go. They already are predisposed with this movement to have some back issue because of lack of mobility, strength, whatever it may be. It, it depends, like you've said a couple of times here, uh, on what, what each person's needs are. And if that's the case, then that's not going to be ideal. But if we've got the mobility and the strength aspect, then you're going to see a lot of gains. That's when, that's when Phil's comment of, yeah, you gained 12, 12 miles per hour overnight. That might be true if you actually have good mobility and strength and you start putting some speed intent to it. Sure, that might, Absolutely. you might have some gains pretty quickly. Probably still not overnight, but you'll still have some pretty <laughs> quick gains. Uh, so, and, you know, a lot of things with the speed, and this goes with speed sticks, but it also goes with like throwing medicine balls and, and plyometrics and Olympic lifting or whatever it is that we're doing to try to increase that speed. You got to do it with intent, you know. Yeah. And if you have a speed stick and you're not trying to, you know, give her, like it shouldn't really look like your golf swing. It, it's a training tool. It's not a golf, a golf teaching tool. It's a golf training tool. So get after it. If you lose your balance, I don't care. Lose your balance. I'm a big balance guy in the golf swing. Um, that's because of my, my golf pro, but when it comes to training, I don't mind you getting a little bit under control there as long as you have the, the strength to kind of slow you down. But um, you know, same with like throwing a medicine ball. I want you to like throw it through the wall or throw it through the ground don't be dainty with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where having something that can register the speed or give you maybe distance. If it's a, if it's a toss uh, that can, that can help you realize and it's, it's like a scoreboard, right? You said, then you go, Oh man, last time I threw I it, I, I threw it 20 feet. This time I only threw it 18. Ah, what the heck? And yeah. just kind of that motivational factor. And that, that helps that with that intent I find. So certainly does. Yep. Cool. Uh, all right, let's see here. So let's talk about somebody that's, that's already kind of mastered the basics. We'll say, you know, they, they, they do their, their, their regular training on, on a regular basis of their squats and their hinges and the presses and all this, all the stuff that we talk about, um, in the gym that are your, your more basic stuff. What kind of advanced lifts do you kind of start getting into with somebody you've been working with for a while or, or that's ready to take that next level after they've got a good squat hinge and movement pattern and stuff like that? I, I love Olympic lifting. It's just that it's tough to teach, especially now a pandemic. Again, my business is all online. It's, it's really difficult. Risk yeah. reward is not there, uh, especially with golfers and wrists. Like I don't need somebody learning how to clean a barbell for the very first time. Probably not the best thing, even if they have a good hinge, good squat, whatever. So unless they have that background, I'm probably going to do something a little bit different. And this is where um, I want to say it's called a Bosch clean. I just heard the name the other day, but it's, I, I call it like a staggered stance, um, hang clean to step up. That okay. makes any sense. 
And I like that because you can do that a different couple different ways. You can do it with a barbell and then you can clean it if you really want to go that route and you have that experience. But you can also use it with a kettlebell. Now the kettlebell takes a little bit of technique as well. So again, that's may not be the, the best thing for everybody, but you can do it with a dumbbell, which is pretty easy. You just kind of high pull it up or clean it up. And basically you're, you're uh, resting it on your shoulder or you can go single arm to a double or a single hand to a double hand catch of your kettlebell. So you're catching the handles. Therefore, there's no wrist you know, there's no yeah. risk of uh, wrist injury that way. So I really, that's more of a high pull as opposed to a clean, but same thing. You're basically going from that staggered stance, driving that front foot into the ground, stepping up onto a box as you high pull that kettlebell up to your chest. And it's just a, a great way to kind of get that unilateral, you know, ground force reaction, core stability. You know, you're still getting, um, you know, the clean in the, in the, uh, the hand clean or the, the high pull there from Olympic side of things. And then you got to like brace yourself to make sure you don't fall off the box. Lots of good things going on there. And I think that's kind of, um, it's, it's uh, medium advanced to more advanced in terms of what you're doing, but it's a really low risk, I think, exercise. And I love that. So that's kind of what I've been using as of late. Awesome. I actually love that idea. So uh, I'm gonna have to try it out and, and see if I'll uh, start implementing it myself or some of my, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called that. a Bosch clean, uh, Again, I just, I use the, what basically all my exercises on YouTube are these long kind of drawn out and I'm basically describing exactly what you're doing. So you're starting from staggered stance, hang clean, maybe even be like a single arm to a double arm, hang clean, step up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and what we find in, in therapy and in training, fitness world, you, people have these different names. And then I'm like, well, I, this is what I think of when I hear monster walk. And this is what I think of when I hear, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay. What are we doing? We're doing lateral stepping with a band at the knees. Okay. I know what that is. I know exactly what that is. All right. Like somebody um, said 90, 90 the other day. And I'm thinking like, cause the FRC type thing, yeah. I'm thinking like sitting in a 99, well, 99 position with one leg and the other leg back behind you. And really it was a, a 90, 90 lying on your back with your feet on the wall. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it, is <laughs> sure. it what 90, 90, where are our angles here? You know, no. <laughs> That's you funny. Know, or hook lying. I didn't realize hook lying was basically just like lying on your back with your knees bent. Oh, okay. great. Well, see, that's, that's a medical term. And so that's that I don't, I'm not sure where that came from, but that's what it's called. You, you can write that in a note and everybody knows what that is. So, so it's the hook lying because yes, you're on your back knees bent, but because you're pulling your heels back to your glutes to activate the hamstrings, is that where the hook kind of, uh, maybe that's not necessarily the cue though. It's just, that's just the position, right? Okay. You just, that's your position you're getting into. And so, you know, that's what I tell people, you know, they say, oh, when my legs are straight, my back hurts. Like, okay, well, let's put, bend your knees. And I'm like, okay, in hook line, no pain, right? Like, that's, that's what I'll write in a note or something like that when, when that is. And that kind of gives me a cue of, okay, they don't like the pressure on the back or whatever, but that gets into a different, whole different topic. So, <laughs> but, all right. So, I've got, we got a new little uh, series or section to, to the podcast here. It's called the mulligan round. All right. So we want your you know, quick first reaction or thought, uh, unless I ask for further details uh, and you get to skip one. So you got one mulligan. All right. <laughs> so if you want to skip one, you get to skip one of these questions. So all right. the first question, I, I know me and you've had a little bit of chat back and forth about, uh, about Jordan Spieth. So do you believe Jordan Spieth is back? Absolutely. This week's going to be a, a kind of a good tell, but absolutely. Yes. All right. How many number of magazines that you have been on the cover of? Uh, fitness for three, but Harlequin Romance cover is it's like 60 or so. <laughs> All right. Yeah. On my Facebook, if you ever want to look at them. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, how about the most points you scored in a basketball game? 
probably six to eight. Are we talking about university? Yeah, we'll stick with university. Six to eight. I'm a more of a Dennis Robin type guy. All right, all right. Got a mad respect for the for that type of person. <laughs> all right, what's your lowest round? Uh, 89. That was last year, uh, first third of the year. So I was like super pumped that I was going to beat it for the rest of, the, and I didn't. <laughs> right. You're you're limited by uh, the pandemic. Absolutely. That's my excuse. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite golf memory. Uh, favorite golf memory. Uh, probably shooting the 89. Cause that, that round I was with uh, one of my clients who've been training for about three years. He had a hole in one and awesome. uh, I could see it cause he's a senior client. And so you really couldn't see if it went in or not. I was like 99% sure it was in. Um, so it was just kind of fun driving up and seeing him kind of, as he gets closer and closer, realizing that yes, it went in. All right. What exercise or drill do you use for your, to improve your swing? My swing. Um, I have some right hip internal rotation issues. So I do some like, um, like split squat, torso rotation, breathing work. And then I'll add in like the what strap, if you're familiar with that, the yeah, yeah. strap. I'll throw that in both from, um, uh, a resisted kind of going into my downswing as well as an assisted, almost like a George Gigankis, um, okay. kneeling behind you and flipping your hips. So I, I like to do that before I hit balls. Okay. Very cool. Uh, take away what you want for the listeners today. Uh, get assessed, you know, like it's easy to go on golf or on like Instagram or YouTube and find exercises. Like I, I was just telling somebody the other day, I have like 700 exercises on YouTube. They're free. Just like they're not behind, they're not unlisted. They're not private, but the exercise itself is very little. It's basically how you use that exercise, when to use it, how to tweak a, a stance or a grip or a breathing technique. Exercises are nothing. So if you're getting your exercise from like Instagram or YouTube, chances are you're falling way short. Yeah. Um, I always, I always tell people, you know, you're not going to walk into somebody's medicine cabinet and then just start taking pills, popping pills. Right. Um, it's a good analogy. I like that. So, <laughs> you know, the doc, the MD gave those pills to somebody at a certain dosage for a certain reason, everything else can basically fall in line along with those lines, whether it's from physical therapy, fitness, you know, uh, I, I heard some, uh, you know, some golf pros talking about grips and, and, you know, okay, yeah, you know, the general thought is this and that. And it's like, yeah, but everybody's different. So you can never, you can never just take one thing and take it as gold. It, it's gotta be uh, according to the assessment or what you need. I'm stealing that analogy. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, everybody understands that. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to go, not go pop, be popping some Vicodin and, and some yeah. and blood thinners and whatnot that I don't necessarily need. Um, so and that basically comes, you know, the reason why I said that is because you need an assessment to figure out what exercises are for you. And so you could, like I said, you can scroll on social and, and YouTube and whatever, but you're really falling short. Yeah. I mean, and I think during our conversation today, you've mentioned two things that you know that you have an issue with. And so you do two specific things to address those issues either before your day starts or before you go and hit balls and Absolutely. that helps, helps you. And so knowing your own body and knowing what your limitations are or what your, what your issues are, can you can target those particularly right before you do something and you can have a better outcome, better feeling about it or whatever, maybe. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan, for coming on here, man, today. It was awesome to get, get your thoughts on some winter training and, and whatnot. But before we go, let us know how we can follow you, how we can uh, keep track on, on what you're doing. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, in terms of where I'm at, I'm on pretty much every main social stuff. I spend most of my time on Instagram and Facebook. Um, 
and just my website, you can pretty much access anything from there. So nathanjackson.com. There's an E at the end of Nathan. My mom was trying to be a little bit different there. So uh, you may need to throw that E in there to find me. But other than that, that's pretty much where everything starts and then it kind of goes from there. Awesome. So guys, that's it for this episode of the Golf Under Power podcast. We'll have the information for, for Nathan in the show notes below. And thank you all for listening and thank you, Nate, for coming on. Remember, simple consistency leads to greatness. Take care. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed this content on the go. If you found it helpful, please share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more golfers just like you that want to play under par. Do you want to be stronger and healthier? Well, I've got a resource, Golf Fitness Tips. It's a free Facebook group where we talk about how to take care of our bodies so that we can play more golf, we can play golf longer in life, and we can play better on the course. If that interests you, then check out the link below or search for Golf Fitness Tips on Facebook.